Amen. A powerless church, I've entitled this message. I remember um, my car breaking down a few years ago. And the reason why it broke down was because my battery was flat. You know, it doesn't matter what you drive. You can drive an articulated lorry or a mini. If your battery is flat, you're not going anywhere. The power of a car is in its battery. Well, you know, we come to this passage in the Bible and we see a, a, a church that is powerless. And we want to find out and we want to ask the question, why? So the first thing that I, I want to um, say in um, my message, my first heading this morning is disappointment. I want to talk about the disappointment that Jesus felt. And we see it here because um, Jesus comes down from the mountain. Now those of you who was with me last week would have understood that Jesus and three disciples went up into a mountain. And, and, and now they're coming down. Jesus has been, um, been transfigured. He's been changed on the mountaintop. And now he's come down. And he's, while he was on that mountain, Moses and Elijah appeared. While he was on that mountain, the Bible says his, his face shone like the sun. But that wasn't as important as what was heard on the mountain. Because what was heard on the mountain was incredible. Because God himself spoke. And the Bible said that when God spoke, he, he said, a voice came from the cloud, and it was God's voice speaking. And it says, see this man, Jesus, this is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Don't listen to any other voices that might try to grab your attention. No, this is my son. This is the one that I've chosen. Hear him. Listen to him. Pay attention to what he has to say. And all that happened on the mountain. And Jesus comes down from the mountain. And when he comes down, he comes down to meet the nine other disciples. But he finds disappointment. There's a man who came and he said to Jesus, Jesus, I begged your disciples to drive it out, to drive out a demon from my son. I begged your disciples to do it, but they could not. Here is the disappointment. The disciples could not help a man in distress. Let's put it this way. The disciples were powerless to help a person in need. Now this is quite remarkable really because in the beginning of the very same chapter, chapter 9, the beginning of the same chapter, verse 1, we read this. When Jesus called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. So in the beginning of the chapter, we find Jesus giving the disciples the ability and the power to drive out demons. And yet now, something has happened. Something has transpired over the course 
of these chapters, the cause of these days. Something has taken place that we find these men who in the beginning of the chapter had power to drive out demons and by the end of the chapter find that they were powerless. Something has taken place. We wonder what is it? Well, the disciples had the wisdom to ask Jesus the same question. Why couldn't we do it? And we see that question over in Mark's gospel. After Jesus had gone indoors, the disciple asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? That was the question. Why couldn't we do it? And the reply was, this kind can come out only by prayer. Most versions will also add prayer and fasting. But let me just stick on this issue here on prayer. They turn around and said to Jesus, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we drive out that evil spirit? And Jesus said, you couldn't drive it out because these can only come out by prayer. The principal work of prayer was not being done by the disciples. I don't know what they were doing for the time Jesus was on the mountain. I don't know what they were doing. But Jesus turns around and says, you know what? You had no power. You had no authority. Because you had no prayer. You know, we only pray when we need something, don't we? That's the only time we really pray. Let's be honest. We pray when we need something. Or we need God to do something. That's when we pray. But you know, prayer wasn't designed for that. Prayer was designed for you to have fellowship with God. That's what you're designed for. Prayer really was designed for you to have a have communion with God. To be able to, to come into presence and to speak with him and to get to know him. That is what prayer was meant to be all about. But we change prayer around and we say prayer is only about me getting things from God. There was an East End man with her granddaughter. They were out by the South End seaside. And as they were walking through the seaside, a little granddaughter said, Nan, can I have an ice cream? Can I have a chocolate bar? Can I go on a, that ride? Can I have 10p for that machine? Can I go on the swings? Can I go down to the park? The Nan got so fed up, she said, Can I, can I, can I? That's all you say. Can I, can I, can I? But sometimes that's what Christians are like with God, aren't we? We come into God's presence and we don't want to get to know God himself. Instead, we've got that can I, can I, can I mentality. I preached this on Wednesday night. It just comes to my heart. Moses had opportunity to speak with God in prayer. And when Moses was praying and speaking with God in prayer, he cried out to God, now God, Show me your glory. I don't want things. I don't want things to happen. God, I want to know. I want to 
know your glory. I want to see your glory. And God said to him, Moses, you asked to see my glory. You asked to see my character. I'm going to show you who I am. And when God begins to show Moses who he is, God shows him his character. The Lord, the Lord, slow to anger, quick to show mercy and compassion and grace. That was the character of God. And I want to tell you, we bypass the character of God because we're too busy praying for things that we want instead of spending time getting to know him. Most of us who are parents here will be so unhappy with our children if all they want from us are things. All they want. Never speak to us at all throughout the whole week until it's dinner time. That's all they want to talk to us about. But I'm telling you, we want to have a relationship with our children. We want to know them and we want our children to know us. My father died when he was at 52 years of age, very young. As I creep up to that age, I think to myself, you know, maybe mine, I've got to check out at the same sort of time. But um, my dad died at that age. And he was a man that, you know, shut down. You know, he was one of these West Indian fathers who don't, don't talk to anybody. And it's only when I met Kim, she said to me, why don't you talk to your dad? I can't talk to my dad, you're mad. No, you can talk to him. And she went up to him and started talking to him. And he, he wanted to talk. We sat down and we started talking. And I just wish I had him now in my life. Because, you know, when I was younger, I didn't speak to him. All he was was a man in the house who provided the food and the, and the, and the, and the roof over our head. But I didn't have a conversation with him. And I missed out on speaking to my dad. And I want to tell you, God... Is saying to his church, prayer is not just for you to get what you want. Prayer is for you to get to know me. I know you already. I know you inside out. In fact, the very hairs on your head are numbered. I know you, but you don't know me. That if you come into prayer and start speaking to me and begin to communicate with me, you begin to know my character. And these men didn't have that relationship with God themselves. And that's why the Bible says this kind come out only by prayer. It also adds fasting as well because fasting is when you say I don't care about food. Food is not the most important thing in my life. No, God is the most important thing in my life. That's what fasting tells you. I don't care about the belly. I don't care about what I need to consume. I care about my walk with God. So the church, these men were powerless. And I believe that the church, even this church, let's bring it personal. I believe even this church can be classified as being powerless. Why? Because we've got a people who don't raise prayer high enough. Prayer is not the biggest thing in our lives. Speaking to God is not the biggest thing in our lives. And that's not just for yourselves, it's for me as well. I need to be brought into a spotlight myself. Pastor, are you praying enough? 
Pastor, are you spending time with God enough? Pastor, are you spending time fasting and praying enough? That is a question I need to ask myself. Because if anything's going to happen for the glory of God, it's not going to be happen, happening because we've got some superstars in front of us sharing their testimonies. No, it's only going to happen when the church gets on its knees and cries out to God for him to come down and do a work in the hearts and the lives of the people around us in our neighborhood. The church was powerless. These men were standing around, couldn't help anybody. Because they didn't know how to pray. So Jesus was disappointed. Second thing I want to say is the difficulty. What was the difficulty? Let's look at the difficulty, shall we? What was so hard to handle? Here it is. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. For he is my only child. A spirit seizes him. And he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions. So that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him. And is destroying him. Here we have a father. Has his only childish son. His son was demon possessed. We see what the demon tries to do. The demon is trying to destroy the boy. In fact, Mark, gospel puts it this way. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. This demonic spirit inside this young lad, its one aim was to kill that boy. Throwing him into the fire, throwing him into the water, trying to destroy his life. Jesus even says that you even get false teachers, even in the church, try to destroy people's lives. He quoted that verse over in John 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. Satan's main objective, whoever he tries to use, is to kill, steal and to destroy. That is what he wants to do. Now, the Bible is very clear about this. God loves the world. He loves men. He loves women. Whether they believe in him or not. Whether they come to church or not. Whether they're in the, the supermarket in Lakeside or, or Farrakh or not. Wherever they may be, God loves them. He loves them wherever they can be found. God loves them. The Bible says God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. But Satan hates every single person whether they're in the church or not. And his main aim is to destroy and kill them. So how does Satan try to destroy people today? Well, if you see somebody with, who are falling on the floor with a, a fit, it could just be an epileptic fit, it doesn't necessarily mean it's de demonic at all, whatsoever, what was going on in that boy. Satan was using something in that boy he, was in, he, you know, he, he possessed that body. But if you see it today, we see people having different fits anyway. Don't think straight away, that's the demon. It's not. Guy managed to need some medication. But how does Satan really possess? Well, I will tell you that Satan's main way 
Now, I believe that he wants to possess your whole entire home. That's where he wants to get in. He's not interested so much in individuals. He wants your whole house to himself. And let me show you how. First of all, Satan would love to get into... Can the next slide up? Greed. Um, fill that one up there. Got that one up? Yeah. Thank you. Greed. The Bible says very clearly... He says to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Again, the Bible says, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God, nor the greedy will inherit the kingdom of God. You know, in your homes, you will have a TV set in your home that shows you everything you haven't got. Everything you haven't got. And when you see the things you haven't got, you will turn around and say, oh, I would love to drive that car. I would love to live in that house. Oh, I would love to have those clothes. Oh, I would love to go on that holiday. I can't afford it. Oh, I have another credit card. And the world will throw things at you that you become greedy in your life. And the Bible says that do you not know That the greedy will not inherit the kingdom of God. Satan will want to possess your home so much to fill you with greed. I would love to take you down or send you over to the village over in Pakistan where John went and see how the people live there. When you come back, you think you're millionaires. But when you watch the TV screen in your own home, Satan will so put in front of you the things you have not got and that you want that you become greedy and you begin to hold your money tightly. So the giving you want to spend for yourself. But the Bible says very clearly that the greedy will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me tell you a story. A true story, I, I know the child myself. In fact, I was speaking to this 15-year-old girl. And she was saying to me, just by the off chance, she was saying to me, you know what, I really love, I really love all of the Apple products, the Apple iPhone, the iPod, iPad. I just loved it, she says to me. I thought, that's fine. Then I heard a few months later on, she's, she's talking with her grandmother. And a new iPhone 6 had just come out. And she said to her grandmother, you know, Grandma, I want that new iPhone 6. And the grandmother said, no, you can't have it. The young girl grabbed hold of her grandmother and threw her to the floor and stormed out the door. The grandmother picked herself up, went down to the shops and bought her iPhone 6. Greed, greed that has caused even young people to behave in inappropriate ways. So Satan wants to possess your home by showing you what you don't have and placing a desire in your heart for more. 
Second thing Satan likes to get into your home with, I put this down, sex, drugs and rock and roll. I hate to mention this on a Sunday morning, but I have to say, sex is streamed into your home every single day. Streamed into your home. And who's behind it? Ask yourself the question, who's behind all the perverted sex that comes through our TV screens? Who's behind it? Well, we know that Satan is behind it. Why? Because he wants to grab a hold of your mind and twist it. And so we have that happening. We have programs and films that come into your, 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 your TV screen. There's a series that was out recently called Breaking Bad. Some of you won't even know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to say it anyway. A program called Breaking Bad was on TV, and its main focus was how to use and how to get crystal meth, drugs. And a number of young people, through watching that one program, went out and get hooked on drugs. You put on your TV, you don't have to go to any sex channels, you go to MTV, you go to one of the music channels. There's enough filth on the music channels out there that's able to pollute anybody's mind. And guess what? Our young people are on MTV. And you don't tell, you look at these things and you don't tell me how is Satan, Satan's behind all, he doesn't have to possess a young person anymore, he just needs to fill their mind with all of his rubbish and they will automatically destroy their lives through sex, drugs and music. Ain't done yet because the enemy is still working. Swearing and violence. Some of you may hear a film called The Wolf of Wall Street. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, which is good anyway. Do you know in that film, there's a swear word every two and a half minutes. It's broken the record. It entered into the, um, the, 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 the record books with the most swearing in any one film. Leonardo DiCaprio is one of the main leaders in that film. But the swearing in that film. You know, stand-up comedians can't tell a joke without swearing these days. You see them, you know, and everybody's behind them, all thousands of people. Not like we've got a, a small crew here. You know, thousands of people in an auditorium. And in order to make you laugh, they have to use expletives and swear words in order to get the crowd laughing at their jokes. Who's behind all this? Who's instigating it all? Who's masterminding and planning it all? I tell you who. Satan himself. And the reason why he's doing it, he doesn't have to possess bodies anymore, no. All he needs to do is control your mind. And once he gets hold of your mind, he will destroy your life. The Bible turns around and says something completely different. The Bible turns around and says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, 
whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Satan will say, no, hold on. Scrap all of that. Don't think about the true, the noble, the right, the pure, the lovely, the admirable. Don't think about the praiseworthy or the excellent thing. No, think about things that are dark and wicked and evil. Think about these things. That is Satan's message. And do you know what? It's not only in the church, or not only outside of the church, it's in the church as well. Satan has turned things around. Only this week, heard on the news in my area, Chadwell Heath, a father kills his twin girls, kills his wife, and goes out and hangs himself. Twin girls, 13 years of age. Why? I'll tell you why. There was no light in that house. There was darkness in that home. And that man took the life of his whole family, including himself. Who's behind all of this? Where's the church rescuing and delivering and helping and praying for men and women in that dilemma? Where's the church? That's my question. And the reason why the church is not rising up is because it's powerless. It's powerless. And that's why I've got, I believe... Powerless, powerless, powerless. The church has no power. Why? Because the church is not engaging with God in prayer. The church is not coming to God and saying, Oh God, can you see how wicked our society is? Oh God, can you see our children are being possessed by thoughts that is not from you? God, can you see that through my home, my iPad, my iPhone, my TV, my computer screen, all of it is streaming filth into my home. And I'm not watching what my children are watching. I'm not seeing what my kids are seeing. I'm not hearing what they are hearing. And it's filth coming into my home. And the main reason that Satan wants filth in your home is to destroy the whole family. No wonder Jesus cries out, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Can you imagine Jesus saying that to the church today? Can you imagine Jesus saying, how long? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know that I am the one that God says, I love, I approve, hear him. He is my son. He is the Alpha, the Omega. He is the Lamb of God. Can you hear who I am? Don't you know who I am? Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. We have a church. Not just this church. But so many churches are powerless. Finally, can we look at the demonstration? We've seen the disappointment. Also, we've seen the difficulty. We've seen the disappointment. Let's see the demonstration. You know, the Bible tells me this. 
the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's the reason why Christ came in the first place. He came to destroy the work that comes into our home through the media, the TV screen, the, the violence and the sex and the, 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 the bad language, the greed that we see in our world today. He came to destroy everything that the devil set up. The reason why the Son of God appeared was to destroy his work. And so what do we have? We have a bunch of disciples standing around this young lad who had a demon inside of him. They're unable to help. They're unable to help the father. They're able, unable to set free this young boy. So Jesus steps up. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, unclean spirit, healed the boy and gave him back to his father. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground. Do you know the Bible tells me that Jesus didn't even have to speak. The demons want to run as soon as they see him. The demons could not even stand in the presence of Christ. When Christ came, they were fearful. Anywhere you read in the Bible, when Jesus turned up, evil, wicked spirit had to run. It couldn't stand in his presence. But listen to this. Jesus only had to speak a command. And a demon had no choice but to go. Jesus rebuked the impure spirit. That's all he did. Get out. And he was gone. The boy was delivered. The boy was set free. Not only was the boy delivered and set free, he gave the boy back to his father. And the thing that terrorized the father and terrorized the family was now gone. The boy and the father and the whole household was set free. Satan was gone from their lives, gone from their existence, gone completely. Why? Because Jesus spoke a word that commanded that spirit to go. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 119. The entrance of your word gives light. The entrance of the word of God dispels the darkness. That's what it does. When Jesus spoke a word, darkness had to go. And the Bible says that the entrance of your word dispels the darkness and gives light. See, your home needs the light of the word of God. Your home needs the word of God to abide in it. Your home needs the word of God in every single room. Your word, your home needs the word of God in every corner. And the Bible tells me who is the word of God. The Bible tells me that Jesus is the final 
word of God. And if we are going to come against any demonic evil, wicked spirit of our generation. And I'm telling you, there's a number of things that I can mention out there at the moment. If we're going to come against it, we need to have the word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, reigning right in here in our lives. We need the word of God, the Lord Jesus, reigning in our homes. We need to get the church, yourselves and myself, praying in our homes. Saying, oh God, I pray that you might resign in this place. I'm casting out every evil imagination that comes into my home. That's going to be very difficult in these days because it's so tied in to our lives now, isn't it? Tied in to some of our favorite programs. If I had my way, I'll throw out every single television Everybody's home. There's nothing good, really. But it's so tied in to our lives. It's very difficult to get out of it. But one way is to come back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing that you can spend three hours in front of the TV? Isn't it amazing that you can spend... An hour on Facebook. Isn't it amazing when you've got nothing else to do, you flick through your phone, see what's going on. But you never pick up your Bible and spend time bowing your head and praying. And when you do, it lasts three minutes, five at the most, and then you're finished. Isn't that amazing? I want to tell you, it's not your fault. I want to tell you that a spirit, Satan, the devil, will love to cause the Bible to be so boring to you and to cause the things that he put in front of you to be so exciting. And what you need to be able to do, my dear friends, is change the way you think. As I close... I want to close with the word of God. I want to close with what God says. And God says this. This is my son. Whom I love. Whom I have chosen. Listen to him. That's the word of God for my words. God speaks. God speaks in the 21st century. And God says, now listen, you have many people wanting your ears. You have many people wanting you to look at what they want you to look at and hear what they want you to hear and, 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 and speak in their type of language. There are so many people who want to get hold of your thoughts and your thinking. But I want to tell you, I have only one that I have chosen. And I want you to hear and listen to him. And if you did that, your lives will not be destroyed. Your life will not be taken hold of and thrown into the fire or thrown into the water and try to get your life killed. No, no, no. That will not be your life. No, the Bible says that Jesus has come to give you real life and to give you life more abundantly. 
That is what Jesus Christ has come. Does it mean it's going to be an easier life? But it means it will be a life where you please the almighty God. Why do we have a powerless church? Why do we have Christians who are so weak and feeble? Why do we have Christians who are still in nappies? Still drinking from bottles and not feasting upon the word of God? Why? Because we have taken prayer and fellowship with God and we have relegated it into the archives of unimportant activities. Church, it's time for every single person here this morning to rise up, to get back to that place and say, oh God, I need to know you. I need to know you. I don't want to know about you. I don't want to know about where I can find certain verses and read certain books. In the, No, I want to know you. And the only way I can know you is by spending time in your presence. Let's pray. Father, we come against the workings of Satan this morning. We've exposed him to be a liar. We've exposed him We have seen his works, Lord. Every single one of us here knows how he works. And we've exposed it, oh God. 